Remember when I was a little kid, I had to stay and listen to the long, boring sermon. Good morning. How's that for a sense of anticipation? Take your Bible, would you, and turn to Ephesians chapter 3. This is one of the most beautiful places in all the Word of God. A place that I come back to again and again and again. When I, when I want to be deeply challenged and also reminded of what it is that God wants to do, this is the place. And I want to suggest, I've talked to several people who are memorizing this prayer of the Apostle Paul. And I recommend it. I recommend it highly. God will use it in your life and bring it back to your memory at just the time you need it. That's the way it works, you know. That's why the Bible says, memorize His Word. Your Word have I hid in my heart so that I might not sin against you. And what happens is that God actually just forces it out of your brain into your heart at just the right moment in time when you commit His Word to memory. So I ask you to, to consider that. This is this amazing prayer of the Apostle Paul, the second one in Ephesians. And I hope that you will find a Bible and turn to it because you're going to need to look at a Bible this morning. If you have a note sheet, that, that would be good also. Let me depart for just a moment. Let me digress. I want to tell you a couple of things that um, are a follow-up of my uh, message to you on January 6th. Do you remember that? I didn't think so. Um, that was the message that we began the new year with, what I, where I shared with you that we are launching into a transition plan. You remember that now? Um, January 6th. If this is news to you and you call Cedar Mill Bible Church your home and you care about this church, can I ask you, would you please get that message and listen to it because I explain what it is we're doing and why we're doing it and some of how we're doing it. And then I particularly ask God's people to pray for us for this process and then I ask you to a few things to do and a few things not to do. Remember? So I want to just say again to you, if you didn't hear that, would you please, so I don't have to repeat it again. Uh, But I do want to bring you a brief update on a couple of things and then I want to ask you if you would make a note to yourself. That's another reason why you need a note sheet or a piece of paper this morning. I want to ask you if you'd make a note sheet. If you care about this church, then I want to ask you to pray. Uh, for a couple of specific things. This is this is very important for the life of our church, so I particularly ask you to pray. And I want to tell you that God listens to the prayers of his people. So if you would pray, please. The first thing I want to tell you about is I want to ask you to pray for our elders. Now, if if you're wondering what is, what are you talking about, transition plan? Um, basically what it is is that uh, last summer I presented to our board of elders what we call a transition plan that has to do with us finding a new lead pastor, someone who will take over the responsibility of leading our church family into the next decade or so. We believe it's time for a younger guy to stand here uh, to teach the Word of God and to lead our church. So uh, what we're doing then is we're right in the, the beginning stages of that transition plan. And so there's a couple things that are happening right now that I particularly want to ask you to pray for. One, of course, is we've actually begun this search for a new lead pastor. As soon as we put the word out, we got like 60 applications. Um, If you think about this, you will know immediately that this is a difficult challenge. Um, Our elders have not had to do this for 25 and a half years, 26 years. So this is a new experience for us. Um, And so we really need God's wisdom and discernment. We need God to provide and send his man for us for the future. Uh, And we need so we need to ask him to do that. You get this? You listening to me? 
So I want to ask you, will you pray, particularly pray for our elder board, for wisdom, for discernment, and the preparation of this guy, and send him our way so that we will know. We're actually beginning to listen to sermons now, and within a few weeks we'll probably actually start talking to people. So we're right in the early stages of this, but we really need God to lead us. So I ask you to particularly pray for our elders. And then I want to let you know that another thing I promised you back in January is we would update you regularly on the progress of this. Um, we haven't done that so well, but so we've made a commitment last Tuesday night that once a month, um, Pete Amon probably will be our spokesman for this. Pete will get up here and just update you on where we are and what's happening so that you will know and that you will know specifically how to pray. And then a week from tonight, yeah, you may have noticed in your bulletin, we're calling a special, the elders of the church are calling a special prayer meeting to pray particularly for this. We believe that we've got to call God's people together, people who love this church, and ask them to pray with us. Uh, if nothing else, you can just sort of imagine yourself listening to a new preacher for the next ten years. If I was you, I'd pray. Okay? So, I mean, you want the right guy, right? So I want to ask you, we, so join us next Sunday night, 7 o'clock right here. It's going to be real short, 45 minutes or an hour at the most. And so Pete will update us next month and then every month. From then on, Lord willing, about what's happening. The second half um, is personal for me. I want to ask you to pray for Carolyn and me, because we're trying to figure out what are we going to do when we grow up. Um, what's next for our life and ministry? We don't, you know, we have no intention of retiring. We wouldn't if we could, and we can't, so we won't. Um, so, but we're going we're gonna to launch into some new area of ministry, and we're not sure exactly what it is. I, I want to give you a little clue, though. It's for those of you... Uh, who are you're probably interested in this if you know about us and love us you do don't you oh thank you okay so i you're i i regard you as my family i mean we got a big family here and so i didn't want to just sort of announce to you what it is we're doing i wanted to engage you and involve you and ask you to pray for us and to walk a little ways with us um this is a new experience for us and you know, I don't know about you, but if, when you've looked at something and something's really important in your life and you begin to ask God to lead you, you do this, right? You say, God, lead us. I, I remember some months ago I was praying, Lord, I'm a little dense. Will you just write this on the wall for me? You know, And then I realized that that only happens one time in the Bible. And it was a judgment. <laughs> they all died that night. So I don't pray like that anymore. Um, but I am asking God for specific leading. And we do, we are very interested um, in a mission organization called Global Training Network. This is the mission organization that Linus Morris belongs to now. Um, and I invite any of you who are interested in it to actually look it up on the web, Global Training Network, um, one long word, dot org, I think, and look it up and learn about it. And if you have anything that you want to say to me, a counsel or advice or Anything, but mostly I want you to pray, if you would. That would be a new adventure for us. Um, we would need to raise support uh, for that as a, like a missionary, as a missionary. Uh, I've helped dozens of people raise support over the years, and now I may have to do it myself. It's kind of hard when you have to practice what you preach, you know. So, anyway, we're, this is a possibility for us. We just don't know yet. And by the way, this whole thing on both sort of these tracks... There are things that we do not know yet. So we just we we invite you to ask me, any of our elders, any questions at all that you want to ask and just realize that we might not be able to tell you. 
uh, all the specific answers yet, but we're going to try to keep you informed. Does all this make sense? So will you pray for us? For us personally and then for our elders. And, And if you love this church and you're thinking about your children and your grandchildren and people you know, uh, I want to say to you, this is important. So many things are important, but I ask you, will you seek God for this? And by the way, what we're going to look at this morning right now in Ephesians chapter 3 is a prayer. And it teaches us about how to pray. And, oh, I don't know about you, but when I read this passage of Scripture I, and I compare it to my own prayer life, I am deeply convicted about the way in which I pray. It's not that I pray badly, and you don't either, but the Apostle Paul prays in a way that is just amazing. Just amazing. So by now you've found Ephesians 3, haven't you? I want you this morning, if you just sit quietly and look at the Bible and look at the words and try to imagine this, try to grasp this and hear what it is that God is saying to us in this portion of the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 3, begin with verse 14. Paul writes, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The word amen means so be it or right on or oh yeah. Right? That's like yes. So this is an incredible prayer. It begins then with Paul saying, I kneel before the Father. This This is the posture that you take when you humble yourself. I don't know if you kneel when you pray. The Jewish people prayed with many different postures, but one of the postures was to kneel. When you kneel, you submit to the greatness of someone else. You place yourself in the place of humility and submission. You seek the favor of God. Paul is saying, I kneel before the Father for you. And then he names particularly, he calls the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and earth derives its name. And the scholars say, I wonder who he's talking about here. His whole, God has a family. And some of his family is in heaven and some of his family is on earth. And some people say part of his family might be angels in heaven or maybe the people who have died and gone ahead of us. That's part of his family. And so he has a family there and he has a family here. We're not exactly positive whether he's including angels in that or not. But we know that there is the family of God in heaven and the family of God on earth. And Paul says this is the God of the people in heaven and on earth. And I kneel before him to pray for you. Now, think about the idea that Paul is praying here for the Ephesians. You could, if you're not careful, you could say, well, that's his prayer for them. It doesn't have anything to do with us. But then you'd be making a mistake here. Because if Paul is being led by the Spirit of God to pray for those people for these things, 
then of course this is the will of God for those Christians. And then of course it would be the will of God for us, right? I'm hoping you will talk to me a little bit this morning. This is the will of God for us also, isn't it? So this prayer is by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, written by Paul 2,000 years ago, but it is it could be exactly what God wants for us. So think about it. First thing, verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power. There's two power words there. Strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Paul is praying then for the Holy Spirit, for Holy Spirit power to make his people strong. The first part of this prayer is is that may God make you stronger than you are. For Holy Spirit power. So the question we look at, we say, well, how much strength is available to us? Just a little or a lot? Notice the words, out of his glorious riches. Paul is saying, God is almighty. He has glorious riches of power. Now, if somebody said to you, do you believe God is almighty and that he can do anything, you would probably say, yes. "Yes." Do I believe that I should pray for God to make me stronger? Hmm. Of course. Then the question becomes, do I? And how often do I? And how strong does God want me to be? What Paul is saying here is that we need to live up to our resources in Christ. That God has given to us these amazing resources, these blessings. And God will strengthen us. And we need to ask Him to do that. Now, if you've been a Christian for very long. And you grew up in conservative evangelical circles. And somebody started talking about Holy Spirit power. And you were like me, you start getting sweaty palms. Oh, isn't that for those Pentecostals or those Charismatics or somebody else besides us? And so what happened was is that we got a little nervous. Anybody start, anytime somebody started talking about Holy Spirit power, we began thinking that this is for somebody else. This is not for every Christian. This is for people who think they're talking about that all the time and we never talk about that. But I want to say to you, my friends, this is normal Christianity that Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about something for a few people. He's talking about for all of God's people. Know your resources. And, and the fact that your God is almighty. And he does give his power for those to those people who will ask him. It's like God is... It's like if you've got a great big inheritance. Somebody gave you a hundred million dollars. You know, and put it in a bank account for you and sent you the the checkings, you know, the checkbook, and you never wrote a check on it. How stupid would that be? Right? I mean, that would be like, I'm never going to take advantage of this incredible inheritance, this amazing gift that I have that God, that somebody gave to me. The reality is is that we're like spiritually malnourished a lot of the time because we frankly do not believe very consistently that God will actually enable us. That he will actually give us power. And so what do we do? We actually depend upon human strength. Whatever it is, we have humanly. And and we do have human strength. You do. right? You have human ability. You've got smarts and ability and insight. You know, you know things and you have, you have ability to communicate and love. You've got a, a lot of ability that God has already given to you. And you could regard that as human strength. And sometimes we just rely on that because it's enough. 
Like when's the last time you said, God, give me power, I'm going to work. Right? God, give me power because now I'm coming home now. I need to love my family. Give me power now to fight this. Do you need power in your life? How are you doing with the world? Right? I mean, the Bible talks about the power of the world conforming us to its mold. Do you know about that one? Stuff, money, worry, anxiety, fear. How about the evil one? You, you get tempted? You guys been tempted lately? Need any power in that area? How about your own flesh? How about this whole tendency that we have just to be self-centered? Please take care of me. Right? You have any? You need power about that one? To be able to give of yourself? We face all kinds of enemies. We desperately need power. We're, we're gonna, we need power every day if I'm going to be ever anything more than just a mediocre Christian. And my friends, the world is full of mediocre Christians. And you know it. And I know it. And I don't want to be it. What about you? And where will this strength come from? Does God go, you know? Some kind of magic experience? Is that where the strength comes from? And that would be just for some, not us. We're just normal. No, it is, what does it say? The power of the Spirit through His Spirit in your inner being. It is the Spirit of God who lives. Do you believe the Holy Spirit lives in you? I mean, how many times do we, I ask you that again and again, do you believe you are in Christ and the Spirit of Christ is in you, that the Spirit actually resides in your physical body, that when you go somewhere, you take the Spirit of God with you, that He is actually in you and you are in Christ. You're in Christ for position and security and and all the blessings of God, but Christ is in you in order to give you His life and His strength. Do you believe this? So we believe it here. And now Paul is saying, I'm praying that that out of his glorious riches, he will make you stronger by the ministry of the Holy Spirit who is already in you. This is not something you have to pray to get. This is something that the Spirit of God is already in you. And you are in Christ and Christ is in you. So the need then, Paul is saying, I'm praying that you will be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, he will say in Ephesians 6.10 Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. The truth is there's man's power and there's God's power. And sometimes we're just frankly satisfied with man's power. So look back at the last week. Here, here it comes. Did you ask God to enable you? Did you ask God for strength? Did you ask God for love? Did you ask God to give you what you needed? Did you ask God saying, no, I mean, we're not talking about the big, you know, huge obstacles of life and the great big problems. We're talking about just ordinary life. Did you ask, did you ask God to help you love somebody that's really hard to love? Did you ask God to help you to forgive, to help you be patient, to be kind? You need power for this kind of stuff, right? Because frankly, some people are just really irritating, right? And if God doesn't give me any power, you know Right? I'm going to figure out a way to try to hurt him a little bit. Subtly, of course. And this Holy Spirit power is in your inner being. That's where you need it. That's where I need it. I, we don't need our bodies to be stronger. Well, it would be kind of nice. But 
Especially as you get older, you realize it'd be kind of nice, but that's not primarily where I need power. It's not primarily where you need power either. Where you need power is in your inner being. Paul's going to say in a couple of chapters, be filled with the Spirit. What's that? That sounds sort of Pentecostal too. Hmm. You pray like this? I pray that out of His glorious riches, you will be filled with power in your inner beings. Holy Spirit power. Go on to the next verse, verse 17. This is a little difficult, too. It seems a little strange. This is a prayer for Christ to increasingly fill our hearts with himself. But it sounds like he's praying for non-Christians, but he's praying for believers here. He prays, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It sounds like he's praying that Jesus would come into your heart, but that's not what he's praying. The clue here is in the word dwell. The word dwell is there is a strengthened form of the idea of living in a place and being very comfortable and at home there. So what Paul is praying is I'm praying that Jesus will be really, really at home and comfortable in your life and in your heart. Day after day after day, Jesus is at home in you. It's not a prayer for people to become Christians. These are already believers. These are already people who are in Christ and Christ is in them. And Paul is praying here that Jesus would be really comfortable there. Now here's the rub. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes in my life when I think Jesus is not very comfortable in me. You know what I'm talking about? Happened to you this past week? Where if Jesus would have had, if he wanted to, he would have said, Hey, you know what you just did? This isn't what it means to follow me. Or shouldn't you? You understand what I'm saying? This is a, this is a prayer that Christ may be at home in you. Comfortable. That, that, and, the, and the reality is, is that there's so many believers, and I'm this way too, where somebody, if they were to walk into my life at that moment in time, they would have no idea that Jesus even lives in me. Maybe you. Should it be that way? If, if, if we are in Christ and Christ is in us, that doesn't mean we go around, you know, with our big Bible and we hammer people. I mean, we're not talking weird here. We're talking normal Christianity. Something like Jesus. May Jesus be clearly, powerfully, obviously living in you. That's what that prayer is about. Turn your notes, you over. So then... There is a prayer for an increasingly deep and powerful conviction of Christ's immense love. Verses 17, 18, and 19. Prayer for an increasingly deep and powerful conviction of Christ's immense love. This prayer request is for two things. Now, get this. It's for two things. It is for power and it is for love. Power and love. And we desperately need both. He has just said, may you experience Holy Spirit power in your inner being. I'm praying that for you, that you will have an increasingly deeper experience of the power of the Spirit of God in you. So that you will be powerful people. So that you will have the very power of God wherever you go in normal life. Now he's, now he's praying for love. Now listen to me really carefully. He's not praying that we'll be, we will be more loving. He's not praying for we will have, we will have more love that we give to other people. He's not praying that, that, we, that this love is primarily about what we do. Now, love is something that we do. What he's praying for is that you will know how deeply you are loved. 
Because everything else flows out of that. You've heard since the time that you first went to church, you need to be more loving. That God has big love demands. You've noticed this? You need to love everybody. You need to love that person. You need to love the unlovely. You need to forgive. You need to forgive 70 times 7. You need to love your family. You need to love people that are hard to love in your family. You need to love your neighbor, that irritating one. Right? We, we are, we're supposed to be like people who just go around loving people, aren't we? So how you doing with that one? Right? I mean, do people think of you as somebody who just loves? As a, a deep lover? Somebody who just... Is a loving person. You think about Jesus and you know and his accepting grace, this grace and truth. He was harsh sometimes, but he was doing even that in love to try to get through to people. You think about Jesus and loving like that, and that's what this is about. That that not just that you would do love, but first of all, that you would understand that you would grasp the immensity of God's love for you because that's where it starts. So look again at it. Paul says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Now, understand that I'm I'm not saying that we're not supposed to be loving. What I'm saying is that this particular prayer request is that you will grasp how much God loves you He is about now, Matt is going to stand up here next week, and we're going to start in chapter 4, and he's going to start telling us about, okay, now this is the worthy walk. This is how you walk now, because of all the things that God has done for you, chapter 4, 5, and 6 is going to be all about living it out. And there's there's a lot of love demands in this next chapter 4, 5, and 6. How in the world could we ever be like that if we do not, first of all, grasp a hold really firmly of how much God loves me? And you. And I want to tell you, I can I know the people who know how much God loves them. Because they are different Christians. There are some people who just I mean they don't go around saying patting themselves on the back, they just go around so humble and so grateful for the immensity of the love of God. Somewhere along the line, God wrapped his arms around them and they got it. That God loves me. He even likes me. And he wants me. And his whole commitment is to, is, is to continue to love me. That, and so Paul is praying, you, you see the words, that you may be rooted and established. There's a couple of metaphors there. Rooted, of course, is about a plant, right? Whose roots go down deep. And he's saying, may you have deep roots, roots that go down deep in the love of God. Remember Jesus talking about, I am the vine and you are the branches and... Apart from me, you can do nothing. And when you when you let the life flow from the vine, me into your life, you will bear much fruit. You'll be able to you'll be loving when the love of Christ flows into you, and you then you are loving, of course. But you have to maintain this unbroken connection with the life flow, right? He said, "Abide in me." That's what that's all about. So Paul is taking that same metaphor and he's saying, look, this is, so let your roots go down deep in the love of God. God already loves you. You need to have your roots down deep in that and really get that. The other metaphor he uses is this, is this whole thing uh, of some Bibles actually say founded. He, he, the NIV says established. It's, it's a foundation word. It's a building word. For those of you who are construction people, the first thing you do in a building is you, you, you know, you excavate and you put a solid foundation down. So Paul is saying, 
Let your roots go down deep like a living life flow of a plant, but, but also may you be established, may you have a firm foundation that you stand on the love of God. And that everything that God has called you to is because you, because God first of all loves you. We love Him because He first loved us. So Paul's praying, I'm just praying that you will get this. And you will realize that, that all the stuff that God asked you to do, He asked you to do because He so deeply loves you. And that you are acting and serving and worshiping and giving and caring for other people and telling other people because you are greatly loved. And how are you doing on that one? Do you know how greatly you are loved? Do you? What would we need in ourselves to know that we were deeply loved? What would we need? Well, we would need inner spiritual power, wouldn't we, to get this? We would need the Holy Spirit to pour out His love in our hearts. Romans 5 5. That's what the Bible says. He actually does. does the Holy Spirit tell you on some kind of regular basis that you're loved? Huh? Good. I mean, do you ever feel unloved? You feel sometimes, oh, I've just blown it, you know? And so, I mean, we do that, right? You go through life and then you blow it or you sin or something. And then it's like, oh, I wonder if he really, does he love me now even when I do this? He doesn't love that, but does he love me when I do that? Does he? I mean, is, is it still true that I am loved greatly by a God who has already done so much? And that's what we've learned already in Ephesians, that before creation, he had you in his mind. Is that what we learned? You believe that one? Oh, that's... Now, some of you are tripping right here because you're going, well, what about those people? What, what? You know, and so the questions in your mind have served pretty effectively over the years to keep you from deeply immersing yourself in the love of God. You have let all the questions that you cannot answer and that the Bible does not clearly speak to, you, you've let those questions make you question whether or not God really loves me. Does he really? I mean, with is it true that before he made the world he had me in his heart? Is it true that he loved me so much that he sent his son to lay down his life for me? Is that true? Is it true that in my life... He made sure I heard this story and that something happened, This some kind of grace of God came into me to actually enable me to believe this to be true so that I would place my faith in Him. And when that happened, did I experience a new creation within me that brought a new kind of love that I had never known before? And has He consistently down through the years told me again and again and again how much He's loved me? Has He done these things? Is it true? See, we're not talking about a feeling here. We're not talking about even an experience or even an ecstatic experience. We're talking about a solid, we're talking about a fact. We're talking about the history of God in your life. Has he done these things? Does he love you or not? This is a yes or no thing, my friend. And you need to know yes or no. And Paul is praying, I will pray that you will grasp this. That you will get it. That you will understand. The word grasp is is a deeper word than the word believe. It's the idea of getting a firm grip. 
And by the way, do you see the words all the saints there? The word all in the original Greek means all. All the saints. I ask you again, are you a saint? Not do you always behave saintly, but are you a saint? A holy one, a chosen one, yes or no? So this is for all the saints to grasp this. So this is a prayer for you and a prayer for me. Spiritual power is not the possession of some special class of Christians. It's the mark of every Christian who will believe the word of God and trust him and submit. And oh, by the way, pray like this. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. What is that? I don't know. I don't know what it does for you, but it's, it's, so, it's poetic, right? But And it probably could have all kinds of different meanings. I don't, I don't know what Paul had in his mind, but one thing it tells me is that the love of God is big. And that the love of God is so wide and high and, you know, and long that it includes me. Perhaps the most beautiful thing you have ever learned is that your God is a loving God. God is love. What if he wasn't? Do you ever imagine? It's unimaginable. But he is. And could it be that there is nothing that can separate us from his love? Nothing. Nothing we do. Nothing the devil does. Nothing that the world causes to happen. Nothing that happens in our life. No actions. Could it? Could this be true? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it's written, for your sakes we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you believe that? Nothing can separate you. Does he love you like that really? By the way, that's Romans eight thirty-five to 39. Does he really love you like that? I mean, are you, are you loved like that? This is not about how your love at all. Are you, are you getting this? This is not about the measure of your love. I, so many times that we shift to our, how much I love God. And then when I start measuring the effectiveness of my Christianity based upon how much I love God, I stink sometimes, right? I mean, I just don't love Him all that much. I don't feel it. I don't even sometimes remember it or think it. Does this ever happen to you? Have you gone all week without ever th- thinking about the fact that you are so greatly, incredibly, intensely loved by God? Did you forget it this week? Yeah, you did. No, you did. I only remembered it because I have to preach this. <laughs> right? If you don't have to preach it, you just forget it. You just go through life and you just, yeah, right? You just let life happen. Paul's praying, I pray that you will grasp this. That you will get it, that God will grab a hold of you, and that you will know that which surpasses knowledge. Huh? How can you know that which surpasses knowledge? How can you know something that can't be known? 
And I didn't say not be known. He said this is something that surpasses, is greater than your knowledge. You, do you know stuff that's too big to understand? Yeah, you do. Think about grace for a minute. You experience grace? How big is grace? Can you wrap your brain around grace? When it started, why it started, how come, how big is it? How about forgiveness? You've been forgiven. You get the forgiveness thing. Can you explain to someone what forgiveness is all about? I don't know about you, but there are many things that we have experienced that we know that we have some kind of a grasp on it, but it surpasses our ability. Paul is saying, look, your God is so immensely great and has such incredible love and he has loved you. I'm praying that you will grasp this thing, that you will get a hold of it and you will know that which surpasses your ability to know. Which means you can get lost in this. Which is exactly what we should do, don't you think? That we should get lost in God more than we do? I think so. I put in your notes, God wants us to have a deep, life-changing experience of both his great power and his great love. God wants us to have a deep, life-changing experience of both his great power and his great love. Power and love. Go on to the next slide, if you would. Power and love. Power without love is absolutely terrifying. But power with love is wonderful. This God, this almighty God loves you. Do you know it? Do you do you bask in it? Do you grasp it? Do you see it? Does he whisper it to you? How deeply you are loved? When you stumble and when you fall or when you're just bored or when you're facing so many difficulties or you have a problem in your life that will not go away? You have some kind of a thing that you you may have for the rest of your life. Do you know how deeply you are loved? Do you know that that is not inconsistent with the love of God for you? That this may be the very thing that he wants you to bear? That this is the very thing that may be kept, keep you coming back to him again and again and again asking, Do you love me and will you use me for your glory? Don't you understand that this is sometimes those hurts and heartaches are the very thing that keep you going back again to God saying, God, do you love me? And oh, by the way, could you give me enough love to love this other person? And then you discover that's how he does stuff. It's always how he does, has done things. Verse 19 is like this summarizing request, prayer request, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Huh? That you may be, I mean, do you see that in verse 19? That you may be filled, go back one slide again, look, let's look at that. Uh, you see that last line, that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. You've been full of God lately? What does that, what does that mean? The fullness of God. Is it possible for somebody like me, somebody like you to have the fullness of God in them? That you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. There's a clue in a parallel verse in Colossians that Paul wrote in a very similar thing. He says, in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Colossians 2.9. You would agree with that, right? Doctrinally, that all the fullness of God lives in Christ. That he is the Son of God. Are you, are you tracking with me still? Yes. This is going long. Are you still with me? Right? So... All the fullness of God lives in Christ. 
He is the Son of God. And then Paul has taught us, taught us in Ephesians 1, that a real Christian is someone who is in Christ, and Christ is in them. Let me say it again. A real Christian is not about what church you go to or even how much you read the Bible or how good of a person you are or, you know, how you're performing or the words that you say or if you've been baptized. Or I mean, it's about whether or not you are in Christ and Christ is in you. That is what a real believer is. That is the new creation. That's the new birth. That's, the, that's what must happen and God must do that. He must have Christ come into us and place us in Christ. Are you with me here? This is the truth of the Word of God. This is what a real Christian is. And so if all the fullness of the deity, God, all the fullness of God is in Christ, and we are in Christ, are you tracking? Then what God intends for His people is for the fullness of God to be our actual experience. Now, if you're going off on the whole thing about, well, then this is some kind of ecstatic experience where I'm going to, woo, you know, or whatever... One of our pro- now that may happen. I want to say to you, God's quite free to do whatever He wants, and if He wants to give you an experience, praise God, right? I mean, a few of us have had some experiences, but what we what we really need is like every single day when I'm going to school, I need God. God, give me Your power and let me know Your love so I can in turn love. When I'm going to work, are there some really awful people at your work? People hard to love? Or is work just hard or boring? Or when you come home, husbands, when you come home and you know, I mean, this thing says, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Oh, man. I thought she was supposed to meet my needs. No, I have to, you know, Ah, you laugh because you know what I'm talking about, right? Right? And that's when we need it. That's when we need the love of God, don't we? We need God to do something new in us. I mean, how often do you need that? If you prayed a prayer a month ago, is that going to do it for you tomorrow? And some of you got stuff tomorrow and this week that you're facing. And you're going to need the power of God and you're going to need a new reassurance of the love of God in your life. That you are deeply loved and that God intends to use someone like you through His power, through His Spirit, in your inner being, and you are so deeply loved, and now you have freedom to be what God wants you to be. Are you getting this? This I mean, this is like amazing. Verse 20. Now a doxology. The word doxology is not not a hymn. The word doxology means praise, right? So now comes the praise. What's the right response to a prayer like this? Well, praise God. That's the right response. Praise to the God who is able to do much more. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. There it is again. Power at work within us. I don't know if we believe this or not. His power at work within us. Do you? Wouldn't it be that if we deeply believed this, we would be praying a whole different? I think... I'd be praying different. Praise to the God who is able to do much more. Much more than what? Much more than he is now. Much more than he is now in your life. He's not done with you yet. You have not arrived at the pinnacle of spiritual maturity. 
you haven't. There's more that he wants to do. Isn't there? And, and how, does that make you feel bad or feel good? Uh, that makes me feel like, all right. All right. Uh, it should discourage you a little bit, but it also should rub you up a little bit. Say, God could do more in me. So this is now to him who is able to do more. God is able. If somebody asks you, is God able to do miraculous, powerful things? You say, oh yeah, I believe that. If God, if somebody asks you, are you, do you deeply believe that God is able to do powerfully, wonderful, incredible things in you? Oh, that's a different story. Has he already demonstrated this kind of love? Has he already proven it? Has he already demonstrated his power? Last week we talked about the cross, remember? Good Friday, the cross. And the resurrection. What is that about? That's love and power, my friends. Right? Love and power. So do we stop asking God long before he has done everything he wants to do? I think so. And there's the rub for me. Or am I just satisfied with just a little power? If he just gives me a little power, I'll be satisfied. Just give me a little love. I don't want too much. Paul saying God is able to do more, immeasurably more. He's like trying to persuade us that God is actually able to do more than anything that we would ever ask for. Can you imagine a God who is willing to do more than you would ever ask for? Haven't you asked for big stuff? And, and more than you would ever even imagine. Can you imagine what you have not imagined? The truth is that we know that we fall short. We know that the Bible even teaches us that we're weak vessels and it's God's strength and our weakness. And so we have this idea. I have this idea. Well, I'm humble and I'm weak and, you know, and, and, so, and so we're resigned to a sort of barely adequate power. When the word of God says to us, do you really believe that I'm able? And by the way, when is the last time you ask me to do something powerful? Check out your prayers. How do I pray? I pray, just get me through this, Lord. Just help me get past it. Help me get over it. Help me to be okay in the midst of it. Lord, fix it. Right? Heal it. Manage it. Tolerate it. Overlook it somehow. I mean, what mediocre, weenie prayers. Right? Just, how often have I prayed? How often have you prayed? God, give me power, Holy Spirit power inside me to do this. Because I think you want me to do this, and I'm going to need power I do not have. When's the last time you prayed, Lord Jesus, show me how you're uncomfortable in my heart and in my mind and in my behavior. When's the last time you prayed, Lord, let my roots go down deep and how much you love me. Give me a foundation, a solid foundation, so that I can grasp and know for sure how much you love me. When's the last time you prayed like that? And think about the prayers in your community group. Do we do this thing? Oh, let's take prayer requests, and then we recycle everything that's been going on in everybody's life. And I mean, I'm, I'm for praying for those kind of things and praying for circumstances because God cares about our circumstances. But how often do we pray like this? And shouldn't we? And if you love somebody, shouldn't you pray this for them? I pray that you will grasp how deeply you are loved. You parents, didn't you try to persuade your kids this 
of this one, how deeply you love them. And, and if they ever said something along the lines that made you think that they doubted your love for them, it hurt you. Didn't it? You understand what I'm saying to you? Your God loves you more than your mom and dad ever loved you. Or more than you love your children. And he wants to persuade you how deeply you are loved. So much so that you would say, maybe you will also give me power to do something I could never do. I'm going to stop praying, just help me to get over this, Lord, or get through it, or just fix it. I want to start praying, Lord, sink my roots deep. Help me to know how deeply I'm loved, and then use me for your glory. Which is how he ends, verse 21. To him be glory in the church. How would there ever be glory in the church? Not this building, by the way. And if you read that, to him be glory in the church, and you're thinking about what's taking place in a church building on Sunday morning, you're missing it. This is about what happens in your life and our lives and in your community group and what's going on in your, your heart about how you're growing and what's going on, how God's using you in the world and what's taking place in your own heart about how delighted you are in the love of God. Are you delighted in the love of God? Are you impressed? Are you grateful? Do you worship? Or do you wait to come here to sing a song? Oh, do you hear what I'm saying, my friends? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. We get the glory in Christ Jesus thing. Glory in the church. Glory in the church. What would that mean? What would that mean for you and me? Glory in the church. What could he do if we would ask? What would he do? If we would ask. Oh. Hmm. Power and love. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let it be so. Surely this. Right on. Oh yeah. Let it be true in you this week. Ask ask. Sometimes we do not have because we do not ask. You're about now to take just a couple of minutes to turn your heart to the Lord's Supper. What is this? This is the demonstration of the power of God to show you how much He loves you. There's somebody Immensely great, who died for you. It doesn't get any bigger love than that. I hope you'll love him back a little bit in these minutes. Father, help us then, we pray. Remind us again. Tell us again. That you are great. You're able to do immeasurably more than anything we would ask or imagine. You've already proven your love for us. Now, let us delight. Let us bask in the love of the Father that would love us so much, that you would love us so much that you would send your only Son. And he would willingly come because he loves. Let us bask in love in this moment. Amen. Amen.